amen and giving that to God, doesn't that? That's good stuff. Well, good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? Good, 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 good. Um, as you can tell, it's not my Bible. Hey, you, want, you can use it today. <laughs> this is the pastor's Bible. Oh, man. So Pastor Philip is not here this morning. Uh, he moved his daughter back to Liberty uh, yesterday, so he's kind of given some time to let her get settled in and help her out. And um, so I'm preaching this morning. My name is Seth Parnell, if you don't know. I'm the pastoral assistant, youth pastor, children's guy, whatever you want to call me. Um, pastoral assistant is probably the best, the best title, uh, just helping Pastor Philip with whatever he needs. Um, can, y'all, can y'all hear okay? Is that sounds a little, little echoey, but that's okay. Good deal. So um, who in here has memory problems? Oh, nice. I'm going to raise my hand really high because I know I do too. They say you know, as you get older, the older you get, you start to lose your memory. And I know I'm definitely starting to go down that, down that downward spiral, as, so to speak. So to speak. Um, my wife is pregnant, and the, you know, pregnancy, pregnant brain is a real thing. Uh, and see, and that's what I was getting ready to get to is it doesn't go away, and I was, I was actually talking with someone a couple days, or a couple weeks ago, and I said, you know, she's, she's definitely got pregnant brain, and she just forgets things, she used to be sharp as a tack, like, it was amazing, she would keep me in check, because, you know, she got to keep me in check, now I'm over here trying to keep her in check, I'm like, Heather, I need you back, so I'm talking to these people, and I said, uh, I said all right, you know, does the pregnancy brain, does it go away, they said yes, but then you get mom brain. I was like, oh, no, and they're trying to explain what mom brain is, and they're, they're t- stumbling over their words and everything, and they're like, point proven, mom brain. I was like, okay, all right. So memory, remembering. You know, there's actually certain types of foods that help with memory. Did you know that? There's actually certain types of foods. Uh, one is olive oil, or just olives in general, actually help with you being able to recall certain memories, certain things, and remembering certain things. Um, and I would tell you exactly how that works, but I can't remember. So maybe I need some of that. Um, and also uh, blueberries, that's another thing that actually helps. So there's things that you can do to help supplement your memory by eating these types of foods. There's also different things that you can do um, to kind of help you, like, jog your memory. Uh, have you ever, like, if you've lost your keys, has anyone ever lost their keys before? Yeah, okay. Everyone's like, yes, I've done that. If you've lost your keys, what is one thing that really helps to help you remember where, where they are? Oh, okay, prayer. That's my wife. All right. And those, those, are, that's, those are really good, too. Um, maybe backtracking and taking the steps that you took to help you, to help you go through that whole scenario. So, for instance, you, know, you, you get home. Let's just say you've lost your keys. You go, oh, man, I, I, I just got home. I just lost my keys. What in the world? So you go back and you start taking the steps that you took. Uh, okay, so I got home. I went through the door, went to the milk, to, to the milk, went to the refrigerator to get some milk, got it out, poured me a glass, took a couple sips, went into my room, went to the nightstand, took all the stuff out of my pockets. All right, but usually my keys are there, and they weren't there this time, so you kind of have to backtrack again. And you go, oh, instead of maybe, 
this is what happened is you came in and you actually put your keys on the table. Then you got the milk. So it kind of helps you to, to backtrack, to, to go back and replay, actually do what you did to help, help you remember. Um, I meant to ask this question before, but just I want to take a quick survey. How many of you remember what you ate for breakfast this morning? All right, cool. And it might have been nothing, so you remember that you ate nothing for breakfast, okay. How many of you remember um, what you ate for dinner last night? Okay, good deal. How many of you remember what you ate for dinner Thursday night? All right, that's good. What about two Thursdays ago? Do you remember that? Oh, we have a couple that are raising their hand. Cool, good deal. The thing is, is that we as just individuals, just as people, we are forgetful. We are forgetful. And there's things in life that we just forget. I would even go to say that spiritually, we can be forgetful as well. We can be forgetful in our spiritual lives. Um, The title of this message today is Remember Your Calling. Remember Your Calling. And we're going to go to 2 Peter. You can go ahead and turn there. And... um, I'm starting kind of a, a new series that uh, the last series I went through, went through the armor of God. Every time I got to get up and speak, we talked about each piece of the armor. And um, I'm just going to take you through the book of Second Peter. So every time I get up, we're going to go passage by passage and just talk about Second Peter. But today's passage, um, today's message is titled, Remember Your Calling. You know, calling is one of those things that a lot of times we, we think about uh, being called as this great and um, unique thing that happens in people's lives. And it doesn't, maybe it doesn't always happen to certain people. Sometimes we think about a calling as maybe someone was called to ministry, uh, called to fulfill some sort of title, some sort of role in ministry. Um, sometimes we think of calling as maybe they were called to the mission field. God called them away from this and called them to the, some specific task, like going to the mission field. Um, I would tell you today that you have all been called. You have all been called. God has called you. If you are a Christian, if you have been saved, you have been changed by God's grace. God, by God, what, what Jesus did on the cross for your sins, entrusted in him that he died on the cross, he took your sins on himself, died, and for three days he rose again. You have been called. You have been called. You have been called out of the darkness that you once lived. You've been called into this marvelous light that God has called you. And you've been called to obedience. You've been called to a life that, um, that lives obediently and follows after Christ. You have all been called. But oftentimes what we do is we forget our calling. We forget our calling. So today as we look at, at, at Peter, Second Peter, we're going to look a little bit more what that means to remember our calling. Remember what Christ d- did in our life. You all have that, that point in your life where you got saved, and maybe for you it was something that God just worked some sort of transforming miracle in your life. Maybe you were living a life that was in sin, going down a wrong road, and God saved you from that, and he changed you. Maybe, maybe the, the actual point that you got saved was a very emotional experience for you. And something happened, and you just remember being gripped by God. You remember the weight of sin coming off of you and what that felt like. For some of us, maybe it was more of a, 
illogical, putting our faith in Christ. And maybe it wasn't so many tears being shed, that type thing, but we still have been changed, and God did something. So my charge to you this morning is to remember your calling. Remember that you have been called. So Second Peter, um, just a little bit of uh, intro to the book, is um, this whole book, it deals with false teachers. That's really Peter's main, main goal here is to, to warn um, the believers that there are false teachers out there. And they don't, you don't need to listen to these false teachers. Here's some different warning signs. Here's some different things that you need to watch out for. Um, so false teachers is really the whole point of this book. Um, the message of this series is Second Peter, but if you want to give it a subtitle, I would like to call it Warnings from a Fisherman. Warnings from a Fisherman. Because that's what Peter is doing. If you remember who Peter is, he was, he was an apostle who was sent by Jesus. But he was also one of Jesus' disciples. And he was one of those that followed Jesus wherever he went during his ministry. And before he was called to follow after Christ, he was a fisherman. That's what he did. And so that's what, that's what this is going to be called. Second Peter, warnings from a fisherman. Let's go ahead. We'll get started. We'll read the first little bit. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, it says this, Simeon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have, who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of, and Jesus, and of Jesus our Lord. Let's just stop there just for a minute. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think it's really interesting that that one line that he says that you have you have been called and you have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours, a faith of equal standing. Remember who Peter who Peter was. He was a disciple of Jesus. He was an apostle. He was a leader in the in the church. He was a leader of many different churches, and for him specifically, it was a lot of the churches in the Jerusalem area. But he was a leader, and he was this super person, super Christian. What he is saying is that your faith is equal to his. Isn't that an amazing thing? That the faith that we have in God, the faith that we have, um, the ability to live out our life for God and to do things and the way God is going to work in us, it's the same faith that Peter had. What Peter is saying is that, I'm no better than you guys. We're on the same playing field. Um, even though you may not be doing something in ministry, or even though you may not be teaching a Bible study, or even though you may not be serving in some sort of role, your faith is still important. And you need to remember that. That you all have a specific task, you all have a specific thing that God has called you to, and he has given you your faith. And it is, it is the same faith that Peter had. It's the same faith that the apostles had. It's of equal. I just think that's a really amazing thing. That when we, when, we do, when we think that maybe I'm not as good as uh, so-and-so, maybe my faith isn't as strong as such-and-such person over here, we're hindering the body of Christ because our faith is of equal standing to the apostles. And when you don't live out your faith and you don't think that you really have some sort of weight to add to, uh, to your walk with God, 
you're hurting the body of Christ because God has given you the ability and the power to carry out what he has called you to. So I think that's a really cool thing, but we'll read further. We'll read further and see what it says. In verse 3, it says this, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So what Peter is saying here is that, yes, you have this faith, but you also have this ability to carry out your faith. You have this ability to live godly lives. You have this ability to take what God has granted to you and to live that way and to live in holiness. Um, we've in, in Bible study, high school Bible study, we've been going over this book called Pursuit of Holiness. And it's a really awesome book, uh, just how to walk in holiness and what that means, um, that we were all called to pursue holiness. And that's what Peter's saying here is that you, you are called to pursue this, but you are also given the ability and the power to do this. It's not just out of your own strength, but God gives you this power to walk in a way that is faithful, that is godly. Something interesting about this whole thing is that if you, if you know about the false teachers back in these days, um, a lot of what they were saying is that, so, so take the idea of grace. You've been given, God's grace has been given to you. Grace means it's God's unmerited favor. It's something you don't deserve. He gives you this, and he covers your sin. But what they were saying is that you take God's grace, and you can just do whatever you want because God's given you, God's given you grace. You can live however you want to live, and it really, doesn't really matter about the weight of your sin because God's, God's forgiven you. He's taken this away. Um, you know, the whole idea that we're no longer under the law, they were saying that you're no longer under the law, that you can just do whatever you want to do. That's what these false teachers were saying, and Peter's saying that, no, 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 that's not, that's not exactly it. God's given you the power to overcome these things. God's given you the power to overcome sin, not to live in it like you once were, but to overcome it, to live differently, to live holy lives, to live godly lives, this godliness that God has granted you. And so Peter wants to do that. He wants to, as he begins in this uh, this book, as he begins setting off, he wants to make sure that we all understand that um, these false teachers, that's not the way that we should live. The way we should live is in obedience to Christ, remembering that we were called to something. As we look further, um, I want to call this next part the, the Christian supplements. And let's read this and I'll explain what I mean by that. Um, in verse 5, it says this, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. So, I call these the Christian supplements. All right, um, have you ever, ever taken any kind of supplements like for your health? Like maybe uh, going through, maybe you're, you're into exercising. And so you take certain supplements that kind of give you the vitamins and the nutrition that you need to supplement uh, just regular food. You ever done that before? Yeah, I, I have. Um, back when I was in high school, 
I was really trying to get into working out. I was a really scrawny kid. I wanted to kind of buff up a little bit. And so me and a bunch of my friends, we were really starting to get into working out. And we were doing these things called protein shakes. You ever heard of those before? Um, you know, you, 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 you mix the powder in and you put some milk or water and you mix it all up. And it's supposed to supplement your, your workout. It's supposed to help your, your muscles to get the nutrition that it needs. Um, my parents didn't like that I was doing this because they said, you don't need to do that. Just do everything naturally. Just eat, eat right, eat healthy. You don't need all these different supplements. I was like, oh, but all my friends are doing it. You know, it, it helps us. It helps us to get big and to get strong. Right, guys? You've done some protein shakes before? Yeah. It, it helps you to, you know, your muscle to grow. I really think the reason that my mom didn't like me doing it is because of this thing called, we'll call it protein flatulence. Yeah. I don't want to say the other word while I'm preaching because I don't know if that's really right to say that. But uh, the, the, the gaseous odor that it kind of causes as you're taking these protein shakes, I think that's the real reason she didn't like me to, to take these. Um, but we, we supplement these things in our life when we want to get to have a better diet. And it adds to uh, the nutrition of our life. In the same type sense, in a Christian way, in a spiritual way, we have these supplements of our faith. There are different qualities that Peter, that Peter talks about and he says that when you do these things, it adds to your faith. It adds to it, and it builds, and it helps you to grow in your walk with Christ. So I want to break these down, and we'll just talk about these. So the first one is, is faith. That's the initial, the initial ground level base is faith. When we become saved, we are putting our faith and our hope and trust in Jesus Christ. And so that's kind of the first thing is faith. But what some Christians do is they stop there. And they say, well, I don't really need to do anything else. I've already been saved. I already got my fire insurance. And that's, that's pretty much it. And they don't really do anything with that. They know they were saved. They know something happened. They know God saved them from their sin. But they don't live on a daily basis. They don't pursue after God. But, but you can. You can go further. You can go further. The next one that it talks about is supplement your faith with virtue. Another word that is used here in the Greek that can kind of be go in and out for virtue is excellence. Um, the idea behind this for excellence is more of, so the society that, that um, back in the day when this was written, in the culture that they lived in, it was very much an honor culture. And the things that you did, you wanted dignity and you wanted honor for. Um, what Peter is pointing out is that you need to pursue excellence in everything that you do. But this is not just excellence like doing an A-plus job at mowing the grass or, you know, a really great job um, as you, you do something at work. It's more of a, a, moral, uh, a moral excellence in the way that you live your life. You are shooting to, to go to do it as best as possible. And that carries into your work life. It carries into your family life. It carries into everything that you do. But you're striving for excellence. And Peter says, you need to add this to your faith. You have faith. You have the initial salvation. But let's go a step further and let's be excellent in the things that we do. Let's be excellent. And let's give God the glory for the things that we do. But let's be excellent in these things. The next supplement that you need to add to your your virtue or to your excellence is knowledge. How can you how can you truly understand 
who God is if you're not learning about him? How can you truly understand how to live the Christian life if you're not learning what it says to do in Scripture? If you're not learning what other um, prophets said in the Old Testament of, of how we need to live, of what the apostles are saying in the New Testament of how we need to live, how can you do these things if you are not feeding yourself with this knowledge? You know, a great way to pursue this virtue of knowledge, I mean, to pursue this quality of knowledge, is Bible studies. It's just get out your Bible and start going through it and reading through it and doing a Bible study. You know, we actually had, um, we had a, a leader meeting this past Wednesday night, and it was all of the teachers who had the desire to teach in this church and all of the things that they believe that God wants them to teach, and we just laid it all out, and I'm so excited for our different Bible studies that we're going to be having going on in the next year. Um, it's some really good stuff. Take advantage of those because that will supplement your faith by putting this knowledge into your mind so you can, you can uh, break it down and it can go into your heart and it can change the way that you live. So knowledge is one of the qualities that we need to pursue and add to our faith. Um, the other one is self-control. Who in here says that you have a really, really good handle on this? I will put my hand down because I don't know if I have a good handle on this. But let me, let me explain exactly what Peter's talking about with self-control. Um, we'll say it this way. Reason over emotion. Reason over emotion. All right? Emotion and passion are not bad. And in fact, emotion and passion is what drives a lot of us to do the things that we do, to do the things that, um, to go to our jobs, we're, we're emotional about it, we're passionate about it. Hopefully, hopefully it's not a job that it just drags you down. Sometimes it can be that way. Um, but even like with sports, you're emotional, you're passionate about the sports that you play. You're emotional and passionate about uh, the people that you love that are, that are in your life. But what he's saying here with self-control is you need to balance that with reason. You need to be able to control that emotion and that passion in your life because it can get out of hand. If you don't have self-control, the emotion and passion that you have can really take you down the wrong, wrong road or you end up doing something that you shouldn't do. Um, I was listening to, it was a Christian radio talk show. Uh, this was a while back. And it was, um, I'm not going to tell you exactly what the name of the person or what talk show it was, but they talked about uh, politics and governmental issues and just thinking from, uh, from a Christian standpoint how we need to go about these things and how we need to think about these things. And there was something that he was talking about. He got very fired up about it, very passionate about it, very, very, very emotional about it. And he slipped up and he said a cuss word on live Christian radio. And immediately he caught himself he goes, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I just, got, I just got passionate about what I was saying. And it was not bad that he got passionate about it, but he let it overtake him, and his flesh came out a little bit, and on Christian radio, he cussed. Um, you know, and it's a terrible thing on Christian radio because you have your, your kids who are listening, even maybe uh, um, unbelievers who are seeking to know who God is, and they hear someone cuss on the radio, but he did not exert self-control in his life. And we can apply that to a lot of different things in our life. But we allow our emotions and our passions just to overtake us. Sometimes it manifests itself in the form of anger. Sometimes it manifests itself in the form 
of um, just getting really, really overly passionate about something and we push people off to the side and focus our, our, all of our attention on this one thing. But we need to have self-control. We need to have reason and be able to think through the things that we are doing. Is this really something God wants me to do? Is this really something that I should be doing in this situation? We need to be using wisdom in this situation, not just my passion, not just my emotion. So something else we need to do is to supplement our, our, our uh, Christian lives with steadfastness, but also supplement it with godliness, godliness. So this idea of godliness is sort of an idea of reverence towards God in our daily life, revering who God is, understanding that God is always there in every aspect of our every day, and we need to acknowledge that fact. You know, a lot of times we think, um, you know, when we come to church, okay, God's here, right? And he's working, and we have sort of a reverence about ourselves as we come in. Uh, but then we leave, and we almost kind of forget that a little bit. We forget that God's still with us. He's omnipresent. He is always with us in every aspect of our day, in every moment of our week. He is there. He is, he is right there beside us. So being reverent towards God in the things that we do, revering him, and that causes us to live a life that is godly, a life that is holy, a life that is pleasant towards God. So that means that when we go to work, God's there, and we need to live with godliness. When we go to um, the races, I know a bunch of us guys we were kind of talking about on Facebook, going to Bowman Gray, getting the guys together, and going to Bowman Gray and watching the races happen. But still understand that while we're there cheering for people to crash and the fights to happen and all of that stuff, somehow in the midst of that, still being godly. Because God is still there in the midst, in the midst of our moment. Um, no matter what we do, understanding that God is there always. So godliness. The next one that we need to supplement our Christian life with is brotherly affection. The word that is used here in the Greek is Philadelphia. Who knows what Philadelphia means when you talk about the city of Philadelphia? The city of brotherly love. Brotherly affection. Um, this is one that it, it is so amazing um, when you truly find this in someone else. And you truly find this affection in a brother or a sister in Christ. In the family... Um, that you establish with those around you and that you have. And it's an amazing thing. And I will say, I will say that this church exhibits brotherly affection. I know just last week uh, we had our baby shower, and we were just loved on by the people of this church, uh, just being there for us, giving us things, making sure that we have everything that we need as we're getting ready to become parents. And what an amazing thing uh, just to see the love that, that you guys showed towards us. And I tell Heather all the time, you know, it's, a, it's awesome to work in a church that it's more than just going to church. Or it's more than just going, let me say this, it's more than just going to work. You feel like your work that you have really is your church. It really is your family. And it's an amazing thing doing that. And I feel like brotherly affection happens at this church. I really do. Um, so the last one is love. Now, what's really cool about this is that this list of eight qualities begins with faith 
It is the faith that we put in God, the faith that keeps us steady, that keeps us looking unto him, and it ends in love. It's bookended with faith and love. Love is the completion of this list. Love is the completion of um, of our life with God. Love is the completion of our religion. If you even want to call Christianity a religion, I like to say Christianity is more of a relationship with our God. It's more of a relationship that we have with him because not only does God love us, but he is love. The very essence of his being is love. And we have that as well. Um, I was talking with some friends of mine not too long ago about just talking about other religions and talking about how our religion of Christianity is so different than all these other religions because all these other religions, you are working to please some sort of deity. You are working to, um, to attain righteousness. You are working to attain your salvation. And with Christianity, the work's already been done. The work's already been done through Jesus Christ. And it's because of God's love that he has for us, that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us. And that he has given us the ability to have our, put our faith and trust in him and experience this true love that God has. And that is the key aspect to Christianity. It's love. It's love. And we need to be um, sharing that with all the people around us. And with our own life, we need to be supplementing uh, our own Christian walk with love that God gives us. So these are the supplements. I like to call them the supplements of our Christian faith. The supplements of Christianity. And... um, this next part, as we read through, we'll just we'll read through this. Starting with verse 8. It says, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter is saying to take these qualities, to supplement your walk, and to practice them. And the more you practice these qualities the more it reminds you of your, of your calling. But when you don't practice these qualities, when you are not showing faith, when you are not living in excellence, when you are not seeking to gain knowledge about God, when you are not exerting self-control, when you are not being, oh, I skipped one, steadfast. So let me just say this real quick. Steadfast is um, uh, being steadfast in your temptation uh, that, that sin tempts you with. Being steadfast against temptation. Stand in your ground. Kind of going back to the Ephesians 6. Stand in your ground. Having done everything, putting on the full armor of God so that you can live in righteousness. So that's what that one is. My, my bad on that. Um, but when you are not living with steadfastness and you're allowing the sin to tempt, you, to tempt you, when you are not living in godliness, remembering who God is, revering him on a daily basis, when you are not exerting brotherly affection, brotherly love to those around you when you are ultimately not showing God's love. When you are not doing these things, you have forgotten 
what Christ did for you. You have forgotten your calling. You have forgotten the salvation that God has given you and how he has changed your life. But when you do these things, it helps you to remember. It helps you to remember your walk with God. It helps you to remember um, your calling that you have. When you do these things, you are no longer blind to your faith. You're no longer blind to the things of God, but you can see clearly. You can see clearly. Um, this next part, I want to go ahead and read this. In verse 12, it says this, Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, and I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able to at any time to recall these things. What Peter is saying here is he's getting towards the end of his life, and he knows that he only has a few more moments here on this, on, on this earth to make an impact and to live for God. And his flock, the, the, the followers of Christ that he has been charged with shepherding, he wants to make sure that they remember these things so that when false teachers come, that when your own, own thoughts come and try to uh, stray you away, that you can fall back on this and you can remember what God has done in your life and how you need to live. My question to you today, one, is have you forgotten what Christ has done for you? Have you forgotten what that was when you got saved? Have you forgotten what you were feeling and what you were going through? If you have, walk in these qualities. But also seek someone in your life to help you to remember. That might be a pastor. It might be a mentor. It might be just a teacher. It might just be a good friend. But seek someone who can remind you constantly, who can hold you accountable in your Christian walk and can pull these things back to the forefront of your mind so that you don't forget what God has done. You don't forget how God has worked, how God has changed you. But you remember your calling. So with that, we're going to go ahead and let the um, praise team come up. And we're going to begin to close this. But I encourage you today, while you are sitting there in your seats, if you have not ever had the point of putting your faith and trust in Christ, I encourage you to do that today. I encourage you to have that one experience because if you never have, none, none of this makes sense. None of this means anything. It doesn't matter how you're walking because God hasn't changed your heart. But I encourage you today to put your faith and your hope and trust in Jesus Christ, knowing that Jesus has come and he has died on the cross for your sins. He has paved the way for salvation for you, and all you need to do is call on him and ask him to forgive you, and he will do that. So with, I guess at this point we can go ahead and stand. We're going to begin singing the invitation.